0: Hallelujah. If you believe that tonight, then let's just give all that praise and the glory. Under his wonderful name, we believe tonight that he is a miracle worker and that he absolutely can take circumstances that we not may not be able to understand or see or know what is going on, and he can do the miraculous inside of that in Jesus' name. I am believing that he is doing that for you tonight. If you could lift your hands, let's begin to lift our voices and pray together tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. God, I pray for every single one of these prayer requests that have been put in. Side of the Commons, God, I pray. For every single household, every person that is listening to this tonight, God, that you would reveal your miraculous inside of their household, Jesus, that you would show and reveal your wonderful presence inside of every life tonight, God. Give us a desire inside of our hearts to see your word, God, to seek it out and to desire your things tonight, God. Let us expose and put aside the things that we may see in this physical world to know and understand that you are doing great things inside of the spiritual world, God. We understand that you have it all under control and that, Jesus, it is through your name that there is strength and power and anointing upon every life that is listening to this tonight, God. For that, we give you the glory and we give you the praise, Jesus, for what you are about to do here tonight. And, Jesus, it is all through you. We pray this tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe in that miraculous, then let's take a couple seconds here tonight and give God some glory and some praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise your mighty name, God. We give you the glory and the honor, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your great name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name, amen. You can... Sit down inside of your household, sit inside of your chair, grab your Bible and your lesson for tonight. We are going to be moving on to uh, series number two and going through some incredible things here. And so, if you do not have the booklet, you can download it again from the website, GilletteAbundantLife.com. And uh, there is a download there where you can download the series and fill in the blanks and that sort of stuff. Otherwise, you can just take notes or take photos of the slides or screenshots on your phone, however you want to do that. If you know how to do that, um, those are great ways to take notes. And so I definitely encourage you to do so. Review some of this stuff, put it over uh, again and again inside of your head. I know that Wednesday nights we sometimes cover a wide gamut of different stories and that sort of thing. And I would encourage you, um, you have a week between Wednesday nights, to go back, uh, look at some of these Bible stories, read about them inside of Scripture, read the, the 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 verses around that that verse that we go through in a lot of these different things, because uh, quite frankly, when we only have an hour uh, we do not have enough time to dive into every one of these things that we, we should. And so it kind of puts it on, on your plate to take these things home and meditate and pray about them and let them become a part of uh, what you are doing in Jesus' name. And so tonight, again, this is a pre-recorded lesson. I, I will be in St. Louis at the time that this airs. And uh, God is going to do some great things to our youth department. And so we're believing that. So if you could lift up the youth department in your prayers, uh, pray for the youth department. We're um, expecting some incredible things. Just to give you a word of testimony, um, this week, uh, the Youth Congress Hotels have opened. And uh, you know it, it was kind of a guessing game to see uh, how many hotel rooms might be booked out and that sort of thing, and it is looking to be on par with years past as far as how many uh, rooms have been booked by this time. It actually might be a little bit ahead. Last time I heard from a youth leader, um, they told me that the closest hotel room you can get now is 17 miles out but I've heard some say up to 40 miles out, so I don't know which one is accurate, but that tells you something, that there's apostolic young people that are hungry uh, for a move of God, and so they're excited about the Youth Congress coming up this summer. And uh, we we uh, I'm thankful for our youth team. I'm thankful for uh, Jake and and all that they do for our young people. Even though some youth groups may have to book forty miles out, we are within a half mile of the uh, the stadium. So we get a we get to go right up close in Jesus' name. And I'm thankful for God's blessing upon that and opening that door. But it's cool. It's exciting to know that there's that many young people that are overwhelming uh, these hotel bookings, that now you can only get a hotel room 17 miles out. Just insane and incredible. Um, I'm believing that that's just the hunger for God inside of this generation. And COVID obviously will probably have uh, a part in that as far as the, the people saying, I want to be free and be able to worship God and glorify his name. But if you could pray with me that this summer um, we could begin to open things up. That, that is a prayer. Um, you know, absolutely I want to be in God's will. And so if it's not God's will, then I will listen to that and I will absolutely obey. And, uh, and listen to what he has to say. But we have plenty of mission trips, around 20 of them that are planned around the globe this summer. Um, we have youth congress where we're expecting 40,000 people to show up for um, so many things that we want to see doors open for, and we believe that God can do this. I believe our young people need it, and, and we can't afford to not teach them or encourage them in the things of God um, because it is just so important and vital this world i could get on a soapbox there but i'm not going to i will let that settle in jesus name i think you know what i am saying and along with that this is um, our month of prayer and fasting and so i I hope that you have already began to participate with us in prayer and fasting on various uh stances and circumstances that you've increased your prayer time during this season Uh, this saturday we will be having prayer together here at the church from five to six and so if you can only come for five minutes, and come for five minutes. But if you can come for the full hour, I would encourage you to be here, to make a commitment this month that any prayer times you will be here, you will be committed to being here for the full time and in Jesus' name. I know that he will absolutely bless you in your household if you are willing to do that. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, we won't force you. We won't scold you if you aren't here. Um, But I will say that, man, if you want to be a part of an incredible movement, then be here with us in prayer and you will see God do some miraculous things. Join in in fasting as well. If you have any questions about that, please reach out to us. We can help you uh, in many different ways on all of those things there. So some good stuff. Uh, Some very, very good things that we have going um, in various different ways here at the church. So Jesus name. We will believe for those things to continue forward. Everybody say the week or the month of prayer and fasting. The month of prayer and fasting. So tonight we are going to dive into our new series, as I I stated earlier, uh, lesson number 2.1. And this uh, series is going to be about every tongue and every nation, and so I'm encouraged about it. It talks about how we are a church that isn't just of one nationality or of one race or of one sex, but we are a church that includes everybody, a church that is meant to be of every tongue and every nation, that we're meant to be everywhere inside of this world, and we're meant to have people as a part of our church from everywhere inside of this world. So although we are under the organization of the United Pentecostal Church International, that is not what I am necessarily referring to as the church, although we're very thankful to be a part of that organization it's doing incredible things around the world. But there are many other oneness organizations that believe the same thing, teach the same thing that we do, of one God, Jesus' name, baptism, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the, the doctrines of holiness and, and standards and these various things. They, they believe, they teach the same things that we do. They're just under a different name. So um, the, these other groups, they're part of our church as well. We're brothers and sisters. We go to their events. They come to our events. We're all part of this. And so we want to be a part of every tongue and every nation, not just the United Pentecostal Church, but we want to be a church together around the world. Now, I am not speaking about those churches that do not believe in that doctrine. That is not what I'm calling the church here during these lessons, but I wanted to clarify that, that the church I'm speaking about, those people who know the scripture, they believe, and they teach what is inside of scripture, and they hold fast to it 100% in what is inside of that doctrine. So every tongue, every nation, an all-inclusive church is what we want to become. So tonight I'm going to start out with these scriptures here. In Luke 4 and 18, in Jesus' name, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance unto the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty him or them that are bruised. An incredible incredible scripture of God speaking about His Spirit being upon us, saying that, man, when the Spirit of God comes upon us, then we can begin to do these things that are in the latter part of this scripture, that we can preach the gospel to people around us. We can heal people who are brokenhearted, which no matter how many prescriptions you prescribe to somebody or how many doctors come into the room, I'm sorry, but doctors are not healers of broken hearts. There's only one doctor that can heal a broken heart, and that is Jesus Christ. God, and and he comes down and he touches those people and heals their hearts. To preach deliverance, To the captives, that God can free people who are in bondage of sin, of depression, of guilt, of addiction, whatever it may be, God can be a healer, a deliverer inside of those circumstances and a recover of sight to the blind, people who do not know the spiritual world that is going on around them, but God can recover their sight and show that to them and we can set at liberty or give freedom to those people who are bruised and have been beaten up by Satan and darkness in his kingdom for far too long. We not only have that scripture, but also Acts 1 and 8, it says this here tonight, I'm sorry, this thing seems to be a little bit delayed here, so I'll try to get this to advance forward. If I can, in Jesus' name, Acts 1 and 8. Moving forward here, doesn't look like it wants to, so I am going to turn there inside of my actual Bible, in Jesus' name. Acts 1 and 8, if you could turn there with me. I'm sorry, it won't be on your screen, but it says this in Acts 1 and And 8. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Again, the scripture is telling us that we are going to be witnesses to many generations, to many places inside of this world, and we're going to see God do some incredible things in Jesus' name. Let me start out with this first paragraph tonight. It says this, I can't believe it, Matt shouted. He's on his way here. Matt was a new convert. His house was on the rough side of town, and his friends were not reputable people. But Matt didn't even think about these things. He was just excited his friends would, would have a chance to meet this surprise guest. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and he was going to let everyone know about it. And sure enough, Matt's friends came out in droves like they always did for a party. When the authorities from the church heard about the party, they knew it would be nothing but trouble. Matt wasn't mature enough to realize the authorities at church did not allow parties, especially with people like Matt's friends. When the religious leaders arrived, their assumptions were confirmed. It was like a who's who of the worst people in the community. And they were all at Matt's house. What made matters worse, there was an honored guest. And this honored guest was supposed to be renowned for his understanding of Scripture. He healed people too, and how could a man as esteemed as this risk associating with people like Matt's friends? When the church authorities saw the honored guest keeping his, this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into the followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks in the riffraff? This honored guest overhearing shot back, who needs a doctor? the healthy, or the sick. Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. The church authorities were taught a lesson that day at Matt's house. The honored guest Jesus included everyone, especially the people who were known as outsiders and sinners. This was the whole purpose of his ministry, to be a friend of sinners, especially the ones who they knew were the sinners. Jesus stepped into a situation and completely broke down the barriers that people had begun to put up inside of their minds about who they thought should be the ones who were in the presence of Jesus. About who the, the people the church should go and impact, Jesus began to break down this idea that there's only certain people we go out and reach and teach and speak to and begin to spread this gospel to. And so tonight, again, that's what we are speaking about, an all-inclusive church of not just the people that we think need to be involved in the church, but a church that involves every single human being. Anybody who desires to have the presence of God inside of their life, that our church begins to invite them and encourage them to come into the presence of God. If you could give me just a second here, I'm going to try to change this Uh, this slide here from my phone, and so if the device isn't going to work, then I'm going to see if I can get it to go here from my phone. In Jesus' name. There we go. Look at that. It says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and to all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Again, in Jesus' name. So it says this, Jesus is the friend of sinners, and if you're like me, you begin to rejoice over this statement in Jesus' name, because you understand that you and I came from that place where we were once sinners in a complete despicable place where many people did not want to reach us, but you know what? Jesus came down into our circumstance, and said, I will be your friend even if there are not many among you. Even if there are not people who are willing to reach you, I will be your friend. You can be encouraged tonight and know and understand that Jesus is your friend. It does not matter how bad you have messed things up. If this is your first time in this church, I say this many times. It does not matter what sins you have committed this week, but Jesus has brought you here for a particular time and purpose such as this tonight where he wants to impact and reach you where you are at in the place that you are standing in Jesus' name. He will reach right through your sin and he will become your friend. I want to give you an example of this tonight inside of the scripture. You see, Matthew tonight is one of the characters that we are going to be speaking about. He was a tax collector. Now, I want you to think about this back in the time That that we're talking about here. So thousands of years ago, Matthew was a tax collector. Now tax collectors, if you read about them inside of Scripture, you will see that they had a very very bad reputation going on inside of the community. They would come up to people, they would take their money, they would collect their money for the government. But not only that, but there was a lot of things that would usually. uh, be wrong about what they were doing. So they wouldn't just collect taxes and give it to the government like we do today, but they would collect taxes and a lot of times they would keep some of that money for themselves. Or not only that, but they would begin to use that money to bribe the government to get the first pick of a certain region that they could go into and and, and begin to collect taxes in that region. So if there was a more rich region, they would bribe the government to be able to say, I want this region, it's my region, I wanna collect the taxes from there so that I get more money and I'm paid more money. So tax collectors were not looked very well upon by the people because these tax collectors were kind of robbing them in a sense. They could come and beat them up and all sorts of stuff and basically say, give your money to the government and then withhold a certain portion of that money. And so tax collectors would extort the people for money and to, to make up their own losses, which is just incredible that even though they would turn this money over to government, they could return to the people and say, hey, I need a little bit more money because I paid the government for what you have done here. It was insane to think about what Matthew was involved in here. Even if he was a, a completely honest tax collector, he was still involved in the reputation of these people who had an absolutely horrible reputation amongst those around them. And so tax collectors were shamed and forbidden from community life inside of the synagogue. They were so looked down upon that they were not allowed to come into the church place, into the church building or the synagogue. And Matthew was one of these people. You see, Jesus has lived out this prophecy inside of Isaiah. He says to preach the gospel to the poor. I think that we have this up here. He says to preach the gospel to the poor. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to those who are captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. You see, Jesus was the living example of this prophecy. He began to go to the outcasts of society, and to those who were put on the side of the road, and those who were not accepted inside of the church building. And he began to give them an invitation and say, hey, there was something for you to become a part of. I know the rest of the world has said you won't amount to anything, that you will always be in the place that you were at, that you will always be addicted to the substance that you have touched. I know that the world has said you will never amount to anything because of your past and the places that you have went to. But I am telling you, there is something brand new that you can step into and absolutely break free from every single thing they have said. Jesus began to teach us the way to receive outsiders into the family of God. And I think if we are honest tonight, every single one of us, we're we're just amazed at being able to be accepted into the kingdom of God at the beginning. But we also, at certain points in time, begin to think, man, you know, God might choose this person, but that one, you know, I I just don't see it. I I don't think I need to, to witness that person or reach out to them. And then God will begin to move into our lives through a lesson like this and begin to convict us to say, man, Jesus went to all of those people out there. Jesus went to the people who nobody else wanted to speak to. Jesus went to the people... Who everybody else began to say, Jesus, you're defiling yourself by speaking to that person. Yet Jesus went to those outcasts and said, they have a chance to make it to heaven. So I am going to begin to put up a fight for every single one of them. You see, Jesus, he approached Matthew inside of the story, knowing that he was an exiled person from the community, and audaciously invited him to not only come inside of the church, but to be a disciple, to be one of the 12 followers that would come after him. Jesus didn't go to the place where somebody was speaking behind a pulpit and had amazing words. Jesus didn't go to the person who looked like they had it all together, but Jesus went to the person who was an outcast in society, and he said, you will be my disciple. He has, I have seen that over and over again, even in today's present world, that those who are willing to separate themselves from the things around them, those who are not necessarily the most popular or the most famous, or distracted by riches and things going on inside of their lives, but those who have been mixed up inside of sin, those who are hurting, those who are brokenhearted, those who have went to places that they shouldn't have, that Jesus will come down and reach out to them and say, I have a place for you. And it's not just a small place, but it's a place that can literally change the world around you. I have seen him reach person after person inside of those circumstances. So may we humble ourselves and say, man, I don't have it all together, Jesus, but I need you and I desire to be a part of your kingdom. It's not that Jesus needs us, but he wants us. He desires us to be a part of who he is. People like Matthew may never realize that they would be accepted into the family of God unless someone will make an invitation just as Jesus did. Let me make that point again. That people like Matthew may never realize that they will be accepted into the family of God until someone makes an invitation just as Jesus did. So like Jesus, we need to go where the sinners are to invite them Into the kingdom. It's going to take somebody with a boldness in this apostolic faith to say, you know what, I believe in this scripture. I am not wavering on it. I am not going to challenge God on it anymore. I am just going to believe what He has spoken to me, that I am filled with His presence and there is a freedom inside of my life. And as a result of that, I am going to go out to this world and begin to proclaim it to people around me. I am not going to let them intimidate me or what this world has said about them intimidate me, but I am going to reach and I am going to speak to them over and over and over again in Jesus' name. I know that I have given this example before, but inside of the place where I work, there are people who say, you should not touch that person, you should not reach for that person, you should not try to encourage that person or change their life, because they will never change. They're always going to be stuck inside of that root. And it hurts my heart when I hear that, because I believe that God can touch any person no matter where they are at. So I've had to step past what other people have said. I've had to go into houses where I have somebody standing there, a partner who says, man, you shouldn't go anywhere beyond this. And I've asked people, can I pray for you? Can can I speak something into your life? And I have prayed for people while this person stands there just, just looking at me weird and crossing their arms. But you know what? We have to make the decision as apostolics that we aren't going to let those intimidate us from what God wants to do in the spirit inside of Somebody's life, that we are going to march forward and say, God, there are people who need reach, and I am not going to be intimidated by the world, by my coworkers, by the people around me, but I am going to do your work no matter what it costs me inside of this life. In Jesus' name. We need people who are willing to go, people who are willing to reach, people who are willing to pray and speak in circumstances around them. You do not have to be some elegant speaker or somebody who can stand behind this platform or somebody who can stand in front of the thousands. All that you have to do is begin to live this out inside of your life. And when God begins to move on you, you take that step. If God begins to tell you to pray for somebody, you take that step and say, hey, can I pray for you today. You just do what God desires for you to do inside of those circumstances. You listen to his will. So like Jesus, we need to go where these sinners are to invite them into the kingdom. I am not talking about going to bars. I am not talking about about being involved in some environments that would be absolutely overwhelming as far as the temptation inside of those environments. I'm talking sinners are around us everywhere in this world. We can reach them. We can go to places and speak to them. You see, invitations, they are not compromises. Invitations do not cause us to compromise who we are. If we are changing something that God has put inside of our life just to invite somebody to church, then we aren't doing it the right way. We're meant to live this thing out the way that it is. For example, we believe in Jesus' name, baptism. So if we begin to, to try to bring somebody to church or talk to them about God, and we, we change that to say, well, actually, I believe that you can be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost just to get them to come to church, then that's compromising. That's not what we want to be a part of. But there is nothing wrong with approaching somebody who is in absolute despair, in an absolutely despicable place, and saying, hey, you can come out from that. I know a place where you can be freed in Jesus' name, and there is no compromise by speaking to that person or trying to pull them out of that circumstance. We see, there are so many environments around us where we go for coffee, where we go for gas, where we get our car repaired, where we get our haircuts, or even where we go to lunch. We must become a regular face inside of these places. It's been referred to as friendship evangelism, where you walk in there and you begin to build a reputation with these people and say, hey, you know, you just greet them nicely every day. You tip well inside of the restaurants you you leave a card on the table you might ask your waiter or waitress if you can pray for them you begin to do these things in the community to expose yourself to people around you i know at the beginning it might be intimidating but if you are willing to step out and do these things i can tell you that the presence of god will give you such a great feeling after you have done something even if they look at you weird even if they decline you you know that you have done what god has ask you to do and it can begin to change and reach this community but i also want to emphasize something that i heard Pastor Carnahan bring out this last Sunday morning when he was speaking to our church. He was speaking that there are particular circumstances sometimes where God will move on us to do some things, that we are ultimately running out of time to just kind of uh, dilly-dad around and and, and just go to these different things and, and whatnot, but we need particular circumstances where God might ask us to move or go knock on somebody's door, and we must not be intimidated by doing that because we could see an incredible revival just by God doing that through somebody inside of this church. And so like Jesus, we must begin to go to these places to invite people into the kingdom of God. And so to be like Jesus, which we should all desire, is to be a friend of sinners and to go unto them. No matter what people around us say, no matter what, what, what our coworkers are saying, no matter what our family is saying, we begin to go to these sinners and reach them in Jesus' name. So Jesus, we see this over and over again, being a friend of sinners, that he has made the outsiders and the broken feel like honored guests. He has made these people feel like honored guests. This is something that we must begin to click inside of our heads. That, man, we desire for somebody to feel like an honored guest inside of our church environment, inside of our house, inside of our workplace. You see, by inviting social outcasts to share a meal, Jesus demonstrated that the unacceptable of society and the people rejected by the religious elite were welcome in his kingdom. They were welcome to come into his house. And so we must begin to put on this mindset in the things that we do inside of this church environment. I have seen it far too many times that somebody begins to get a little bit of confidence inside of this environment, and they see somebody walk through the front doors, and it's just like, boom, like Pentecostal police. I'm going to arrest this person and begin to convict them of all these different things and tell them how they need to be living for God and this and that. If they're not doing this, then they're not an apostolic or a part of this church or it's not powerful or it's disrespectful. Or, I mean, so many excuses down and over and over and over and over again. And the reason I touch this spirit so adamantly is because it's doing the exact opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. That it is our job as church people to see somebody walk through those doors and say, man, <laughs> let, let us become friends. Let, let's begin to worship God together. Are you interested in a Bible study or learning more about God? Instead of going down the list of, man, they have this to work on, this to work on. Man, this is going to be tough for them. Maybe I should tell them about this one because they really know that is not the job out here. That is our pastor's job. We let him speak those things into people's lives. We begin to ask him if we're meant to speak something, if we feel that maybe we need to, but we get his permission first from our pastor. But other than that, our sole job as church people is to invite these people and to make them feel as honored guests. We set them at the head of the table. We say, man, worship together with us. Enjoy the presence of God. It doesn't matter the first day what they look like when they come through the door because God will begin to move upon their life and they absolutely will see What needs to happen, but it is our job to become a friend of theirs and say, man, let's worship God together, not to compromise on who or what they are doing, but to say, man, there is something different that can happen inside of your life. You see, the meal was a practical demonstration of the gospel of grace, and instead of condemnation, sinners would be welcomed as friends in Jesus' name. We must welcome them like Jesus did. Our next point says this. I must hurry forward here because I am taking a lot of time here tonight, but there's so much good stuff inside of this. But we must be willing to have a meal with people who are nothing like this like us. We must be willing to have a meal with people who are nothing like us. I'm not just talking about nothing like us inside of this church, but even personality-wise, that sometimes there's people that you just don't click with, that you, you just don't like and that sort of thing, but you must be willing to break down that barrier sometimes and say, God, I need your help. I'm going to put up with this. But God, I desire to have a meal to reach this person. Believe me, it can change atmospheres inside of your workplace when you don't get tied up in the drama that everybody else is, when you don't get tied up in the gossip of people speaking things about others and bosses in different places. When you don't get tied up inside of that, it becomes a witness and it begins to reach people around you. It's like having a meal with some of these. And so, to do this, we must reevaluate our view of others, of sinners, and we must love them as we love ourselves. That's a tough one. I know I'm throwing out some tough stuff here tonight. I know that this might be tough inside of your heart to say, man, I've got some work to do, but that's okay. I do too. I've got some work to do inside of some of these places. But we must love sinners as much as we love ourselves how do we love ourselves we often give ourselves the benefit of the doubt when we are late for example we can provide legitimate excuses of why we are late well this is why I'm late so I apologize but this is the reason I'm late and um, you know you, you should accept me because of what I say here but when somebody else comes and they're late, man, why were you late? Oh, that, that excuse, man, that, that, that works for me, but that doesn't work for you. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable terms that, that, that doesn't count. I know that that's kind of a dramatic excuse or a dramatic um, idea or example, but we must think about it that way. That, man, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, so we must start giving other people, the benefit of the doubt as well. Believe me, if they have sin in their lives, if they have things going on, God will convict them and begin to reach them. That's not our job to bring condemnation inside of somebody's life if they are doing something that's not right inside of the service, our pastor can speak to them or God will convict them. But that is totally inside of those courts out there. It is my job to love them as I love myself. It's my job to give them the benefit of the doubt that, man, they may have never seen that in scripture. They may have never cracked a Bible before. They may have never experienced the deliverance of God before. And so you know what? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Jesus did that with with Matt, he stepped in there and he said, man, you know what? This is just completely terrible and all these things. And I'm sure that had to be running through his head of, man, you're involved in in some pretty wicked stuff here, Matt. But you know what? He didn't say any of that to him. He said, Matt, man, you want to become my disciple? You want to begin to work alongside me? And you begin to see that throughout the New Testament, his life begins to change, that he realizes, man, Maybe some of these things I was doing over here, that wasn't right. Jesus speaks some pretty strong words to him at different circumstances, but that's because he's God in the flesh, and he could do that. Now think of this in regard to sinners, that we understand the struggles we face, and we can be forgiving of our close family members, but many times we can be quick to judge others who struggle with sin. What if we have the same disposition of grace towards others that we have toward ourselves the more conscious conscious we become of the work of the grace of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us the less critical we will become of the sinful shortcomings of other people you see we do not condone sin We do not go to certain places. We do not get involved in certain events, and it's perfectly fine to turn those things down so you're not involved in them. But we love sinners just as Christ did and as he does today. So Jesus, we see he is the purity code breaker. Let me begin to to give you something else here. Another story where Jesus begins to break this down is inside of the Pharisees. We see many places where Jesus comes up and they begin to confront him over and over again about what he is doing. The Pharisees were deeply concerned about the Levitical purity codes. And according to their customs, maintaining separation from sinners allowed them to remain holy. And to their credit, they were attempting to reflect God's holiness in the world by abstaining from interactions with sinners. So part of this, they, they kind of had on the right sense that, man, you know, we want to be dedicated unto God. So we're going to avoid people uh, because we want to be dedicated unto God. Now, there's definitely some things we need to avoid as Christians to become dedicated unto God and closer to Him and move into environments. Like, for example, um, say that I was witnessing to somebody they wanted me to go to their house and watch a movie that I didn't agree with. Well, I, I would absolutely, you know, speak to them like, hey, man, you know, I, I just that doesn't settle well with me, um, you know, that with my relationship with God, and so I'm just going to to not do that, but I'm still going to love and try to reach that person and speak to that person or or, or reach them through what is going on there. So the Pharisees completely took this to the extreme, and Jesus, as he does throughout men, much of scripture, and as he does inside of our lives today, he steps into the scene and begins to break things down and begins to to move them around to places that just don't make sense to the Pharisees. You see, Jesus, he touched unclean lepers. Jesus, he allowed the woman with an issue of blood to make contact with him. Jesus touched a dead corpse. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors with no regard for being defiled by what entered his mouth. Jesus broke the customs Because he had divine authority to define what was clean and what was unclean. We see that Jesus Christ demonstrated his authority when he forgave sins. He showed his power by challenging the pharisaical understanding of God's holiness. God's holiness cannot be tainted by interaction with sinners. This is what he was demonstrating. Jesus cleansed the unclean by his interactions with them. He made the leper whole. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He brought the dead back to life. You see, Jesus redefined the boundaries of association with the unclean. With him, there would be no fear of contamination, but purity is a matter of the heart. We are not defined by what enters or what touches our body. The moral choices of our heart purify, or defile what is inside of our soul. Jesus was demonstrated to the Pharisees. He was demonstrating to us in today's world that we are meant to go out there. We are meant to go to places that that may be discouraging and hurtful to others. That we are meant to stand in the midst of sin in this world, but even in the midst of sin, it is not meant to compromise us, or touch us, or move us, or sway us away from our mission, which is reaching the sinners that are involved inside of that sin. Jesus was showing us that if we are to dedicate ourselves unto his Holy Ghost, if we are going to live, let his spirit come inside of us. If we are going to be involved in the prayer meetings inside of church, if we are going to worship God on a daily basis, if we are going to pray and read our scripture, then we can walk in this world with absolute authority, knowing that God is going to protect us, and we can reach people who are involved in absolute terrible circumstances in Jesus' name. That's why we can walk inside of certain households and not be tempted by what is going on around us because we know that God's authority will hold us true in those circumstances, that we can reach sinners who need to be reached. You see, Jesus was challenging the purity, of the, challenging the purity customs of the Pharisees. He was challenging what they had said that they could not touch people or reach people because those people were involved in sin and if they tried to reach those people then they themselves would become involved in that sin as well. No, Jesus stepped on the scene and said you know what, you reach for the person you condemn the sin, you push it away, you fight against that but you love the person you draw them out of the circumstance that they are in and say there is a God who loves you, there is a God who desires to be inside of your life. He was challenging them because they were limiting God's mercy to people. If you want to put yourself in a tough circumstance, begin to condemn people. I know I touched on that already, but man, it puts you in a hard, hard place when you begin to say, I have the authority to tell somebody what they are doing wrong in the house of God. It puts yourself in a tough, tough spot because you might very well be stepping between God's mercy and that person. And let me tell you, God's mercy is going to blow your doors off to reach somebody who needs it. God's mercy is, should be available to everyone. And just like Matthew, a tax collector, somebody who was defiled by the world around him, God's mercy reached in there and showed him there was something better to live for than just being a tax collector. We must not get in the way of God's mercy reaching sinners. We must not be the ones who decide God's mercy can touch that person But not that one. That one's sitting with their arms crossed, that one with their arms lifted. So God's mercy can touch that one with the lifted, but not the one with their arms crossed. No, no, no. We cannot get involved. Inside of that, we cannot get in that place, but man, you know what I encourage you to do is pray, God, whatever is causing that person to sit with their arms crossed and not feel, Lord, I pray that you would break through that, that you would reach them with your mercy, God, that you would show them that even though they're a sinner, God, they can come to a place where that sin is absolutely forgiven, Lord, and they can see your kingdom of heaven, God. Help them to feel your joy and your peace and who you are, and you know what you can do after services walk over and shake their hand and say hey man how's it going thank you for being in church with us today is there anything I can pray with you about is there anything I can encourage you with instead of walking over and saying man why did you sit here with your arms crossed walk out those doors and don't even come back again that was unacceptable and, and not cool in God's kingdom so don't be a part of this no that is not what we are meant to be involved in but we are meant to be people who love we let God do the condemning but we say God you desire to reach the sinners in this world just as you have reached me in my place when I was doing that exact same thing and saying that this is a bunch of wackos and weirdos inside of this church but God still reached in and began to change my life over and over and over again and I am thankful for his mercy coming upon me I am thankful for those times that his mercy broke through those people who were condemning me and said, you know what, they may be saying those things, but don't pay attention to it. Pay attention to my mercy inside of this room. I want to encourage you tonight that if you have not felt the mercy of God, but you have only felt condemnation from people around you, or maybe people in the world, or whatever it may be, I would encourage you to lift your hands tonight and say, God, I desire to feel your mercy. Mercy, God, I desire to feel you, you, you not punishing me for the things that I should be punished for. God, I am thankful tonight that you are not putting me in hell. God, that you are willing to let me go to heaven. God, it open up my life for these things here. God is reaching you with his mercy tonight. And so Jesus, he proclaimed that the holiness of God... Was transformative in the lives of sinners. And Jesus foreshadowed what was eventually going to come here in Acts chapter 10, verse 13. He says, There came a voice unto him, said, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. You see again in Scripture, the next one here it says that the voice spake unto Peter again in the second time, saying, What God has cleansed, that Call not thou common. If you go and read the rest of this story, I don't have time to go into all of it tonight, but you will see that Peter didn't want to go and reach out to the Gentiles, which you and I would be considered a Gentile because they were unclean at this particular time. So God gave him a vision of these animals coming down that Peter wasn't supposed to eat. And God said, Eat these animals, Peter. And Peter says, No, like I I can't eat those things and that sort of stuff. But God again says, Eat, Peter. Peter says, God, I can't eat those things. I can't be a part of that. And it comes to this place here where God says, Peter, if I'm telling you something is clean, then eat it. Don't call something that I call clean, unclean. What God is showing us is that we are an all-inclusive church, meant to reach every tongue and every nation, no matter what we think should be the church of God. You see, the Holy Spirit is something that is for everyone. And because of this scripture in Acts chapter 10, Jesus has showed us that it is for everybody. Today, the Spirit beckons us to be witnesses to all people. And we are commissioned to change the world, not to allow it to change us. I think we get so intimidated so many times that we're only in here for three hours a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, maybe not even that sometimes. But we walk out of here and we we let our lives be completely conformed to what the world is showing us and what the the, the paces of the world and that sort of stuff when that's not what it's meant to be. But our lives out there are meant to be conformed about everything that happens inside of the church, inside of the presence of God. Everything in our lives is meant to be conformed around Jesus, so what that tells us is that what we receive in here is meant to go and impact the Maverick next door, the businesses down the road. It's meant to impact the Walmart store, the people who are in there. It's meant to impact all these different places around us in our community. Those things are not meant to impact our church. We are meant to turn that around and begin to speak and show people around us that we will not be intimidated by what is going on around us. I get so tired of people over and over and over again telling me, you know what? there have been people who have came into our workplace and they have been tainted and they have been changed and that'll happen to you eventually. Just sit here and watch and then I have to sit there and say, yeah, that's what the police department also told me and it was six years ago, actually eight years ago and it didn't change me once because of the presence of God that was inside of me. I have to explain over and over again that I am not like the person down the road who might go to church on Sunday but walks out and begins to do things things that completely defile God but I have found God. I have let his presence come inside of me. So I am going to walk into my workplace. It will not change me away from the things of God, but I will change my workplace. There may be a challenge myself versus a hundred and something different people, but I have God on my side. And if I walk in there in the presence of God, then you better believe that sinners will begin to see that God has a mercy that he wants to give to every single one of them. And I say that tonight as a word of testimony that you can do it. You can walk into these places knowing that they will not change you. You can say that every morning, these things will not change me. These people will not change me. These mindsets will not change me, but I have the authority the mindset of God. And that is what I am planting inside of my head, putting on that helmet of salvation so that these things cannot pierce through. And in Jesus name, I'm going to live the way that he desires me to live. You can do it. You see, Jesus, he was a missionary doctor. He was meant to go to these places. He walked among the broken And the destitute giving them healing and hope. He was telling them that, man, this world has put you in a category that nobody else wants to touch. But I am here to reach into that category and change your life in the midst of it in Jesus' name. You see that Jesus gave the contemporary church a vivid illustration of what it means to be all-inclusive. That the church is a hospital for the broken. It is a place for those with broken bones, broken spiritual to come to and to be healed in Jesus' name. You see, the followers of Jesus are like hospital employees. The sick who come to them benefit by their care, and the hospital employees benefit by being a part of the hospital staff, which is so rewarding in many different ways. Listen to this. If we liken this church like a hospital, as Jesus did in some of his scriptures, and he is the master doctor, the master healer, the one that can change lives, and we are the hospital and employees where we're inside of this building expecting people to come, then listen to this point, and if you don't get anything else, get this point. We should not be shocked when sick people are ill we should not be shocked when sick people are actually sick we should not be shocked and i'm not talking physical sickness that's not what i'm talking i'm talking spiritual sickness sin we should not be shocked when somebody who has only lived inside of this world has no idea who jesus is comes to the hospital And they are actually sick. We shouldn't be shocked to say, man, somebody who's actually sick came to the hospital. Why would you do that? No, we should say, man, this person's sick. Let's begin to get the band-aids. Let's begin to get the tape. Let's begin to, to put these things together to help God heal this person who is ill in Jesus' name. You know, he wanted to show us this, but we still Go to the broken because we know the great physician can heal all brokenness and wash away all sin. He can do all of these things in Jesus' name and we believe that in his authority that man, come into this place if you are sick. Come into this place if you are broken and hurt and in despair because man, we have the master physician here and there isn't a Sunday. There isn't a Sunday night or a Wednesday or a single day that he is not alive and working but he is 24-7. He won't cost you anything. He won't charge you a million bucks like the hospital down the road but man, he will begin the And heal the circumstance that you are in. And we can proclaim that adamantly. We can speak that to people over and over again and say, Man, begin to lift your hands with me. Let's begin to worship together. That's why part of being a hospital employee is not to sit there and cross your arms after you've been in church for 10 years, but to say, Man, you know, no matter what song is playing, no matter who is singing, no matter who is preaching, no matter what the sound system is doing, I'm still going to worship. God and give him my glory and my praise. And it's just like beginning to take out the band-aids and handing them to those people because they will begin to say, man, you know everybody else is lifting up their hands. Maybe I might try this just a little bit and see what God is going to do. But man, they're going to feel what you are doing in the presence of God sweeping and the master healer is going to come through the place and do the miraculous. We see it every Sunday. We see it every Wednesday. So let's invite the sick into the of that presence, and let's not be afraid to worship God. Let's not be afraid to become a hospital employee and say, I'm going to show these others that we can lift our hands and praise God and give glory to who he is. In Jesus' name, may we become a church that's allowing ourselves to be all-inclusive. You see, Jesus challenged I know I'm coming up on my time, but man, there's so much good stuff here. Jesus challenged the Pharisees to reevaluate their understanding of Scripture and their understanding of God. See, the prophet Hosea says this, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Sacrifice related to observing the ceremony law of the old covenant, where you would take animals and sacrifice them. Mercy, however was the essence of the law for humanity. Compassion for sinners. Mercy is what was meant for us as human beings. I am so thankful and grateful for that. The Pharisees completely missed this meaning of the law because their love for others was missing. They had a love for the law, but they didn't have a love for others. It was missing. It was gone. And that's what Jesus was trying to show. This attitude was reflected by the inaction of the religious leaders who passed by the beaten man in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Person after person walking by this man who was laying there hurt and in despair. He needed a hospital, but the employees were walking by saying, man, this guy He needs too much work. Creating excuses of why they should not reach Him. You see, the Pharisees were interested in holiness as separation, but not interested in righteousness of God as an expression of mercy and love to the world. We must have these things in an equal balance inside of our lives. Holiness is very important. We must live separated lives We must make a a conscious decision to say, I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm not going to dress other ways because that would be too revealing of my body and that sort of thing. But we say, man, I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm going to live a certain way. Not because I'm better than other people, but it's my dedication unto God. But in the midst of that, we must still love others. We must have a balance. If we don't have holiness and all we have is love for others, then we've completely missed the point of what God wants to do inside of their lives to change them around. So we must put a mixture, an equal mixture of these things inside of our lives, balance them out and say, man, I want to be holy and dedicated unto God and remove myself from particular circumstances, but I'm also going to have a love for the people who are still in those circumstances in Jesus' name. It says this in the next point here tonight, the holiness devoid of compassion is no holiness at all? I think we have all probably seen somebody at a particular point that they become so holy and so righteous before God. I've referred to this before, but but man, they're just so holy and so righteous before God that man, if you if you even look a little bit different, or if you do something that's even a little sinful, a little different, then man, you can't be a part of my life because of a. You go down this list, just like the Pharisees. That's not what holiness is about. My holiness is between me and God. It's not to make somebody else feel bad. It's not to affect them. It's not none of that stuff, but it's to bring glory unto God, and that is simply it. But it's up to me to put the love in that equation. You see, as witnesses of Jesus Christ, we are to emulate his mission as missionary doctors inside of this world, bringing his scripture to people around us. Churches are people from every background of broken, every background of socioeconomic status, of ethnicity, and yes, also sin. Scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 4 or 6 and 11, and such were some of you, but you are washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If he does that for you, then he will do it for your neighbor. He will do it for your person in the workplace. He will do it for the person that others leave on the street. We must have a healthy barometer for determining a Christ-like church. We must have this healthy barometer inside of us to say, man, we want somebody to feel comfortable inside of our church. Do they feel comfortable when they enter our church? That's a healthy barometer you can ask yourselves. And if a Pharisee would feel comfortable, the church may be more concerned with a ceremony more than mercy. If, on the other hand, the church is welcoming of broken sinners and surrounds them with a caring community of saints, then we are closer to becoming a genuine Christ-like community. Jesus did not come to call the so-called righteous to perfect their understanding of self-justification. But Jesus came to call sinners like you in me to repent, to be baptized in his precious name for the remission of our sins, and to be filled with his Holy Spirit. An inclusive church community emulates Christ in the world, and it reflects his ministry to the broken and the outcasts of our society. So may we become more like Jesus and less like the Pharisees in our pursuits and everything that we do. I finish by reading you this story to show what God can begin to do in many different circumstances. In 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. The decision was to redefine marriage, or the decision to redefine marriage sent shockwaves throughout the United States, and even non-religious took note. The historical values of society were in the midst of a radical cultural shift. Around the same time, a church planter was serving on the board of a local church or chamber of commerce, and he had the opportunity to befriend the owner of a promotional company. After the Supreme Court decision, the promotional company owner called the church planter to express her concern. She also noted that several people in her office were stirred as well. She said, Pastor, I'm not sure if you'd be interested, but would you, I don't know, Come and talk to us about the Bible or something like that? The church planter said, of course, that's what I do. I'd be happy to come and talk with you about the Bible. For the next eight months, the church planter would drive to this lady's office every Thursday and teach a Bible study to her office staff and their spouses. A local coffee shop owner and her husband also joined the study. The first thing that the coffee shop owner said to the church planter was, I don't trust organized religion, and I will never come to your church. Several months later, the coffee shop owner and her husband were baptized at church and they were filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The consistent efforts of the church planter changed her prejudice of the church. God did incredible things, and it all started when people became stirred by a U.S. Supreme Court decision, and when a church planter willingly extended an invitation to some outsiders to become part of the community of Christ. Jesus Christ showed through his life that all of us are welcome in the family of God. Now, sinners are just waiting for an invitation to be included in the family. Again, the Supreme Court can make their decisions, but they are not meant to affect us. We are meant to affect them in Jesus' name, through the power of God. If you could stand with me tonight, lift your hands, begin to pray unto God, and let's believe that he will do this inside of our lives in Jesus' name. God, I believe for every person that is here tonight, God, that you have opened our eyes, that you have seen the way that we are meant to impact and witness to this world. God, help us to become hospital workers this week, God, reaching unto the sick and the ill and those who are hurting God bringing you as the master physician unto them Jesus help us to change our community let not our community be the influence upon us but us upon our community God I pray for every person who so desires that you would bring somebody into their life this week that they could witness unto and speak to in your name God I believe through you Jesus that there are many who are hungry for your word in this community and that you will reveal them to us this week Jesus through who you are i'm believing that these church members will be strengthened and become who they are meant to be in Jesus name we thank you god and we give you the praise for what you have done tonight we give you the glory and the honor in who you are in jesus we exalt your mighty name and praise you for what you have done in jesus name we believe that tonight in his authority Again, thank you so much for being here, being a part of this Bible study. I hope that it was an encouragement to you that you can do this. You can be a part of the kingdom of God, and you can reach people around you in Jesus' name. Because we are meant to be an all-inclusive church. We will continue in these series next week, so I believe that God is going to reach you in some wonderful ways. Again, continue prayer and fasting and this Saturday at five, from 5 to 6 here at the church, you can join us in the sanctuary here for prayer. There's plenty of room. There's even room in the back if you don't feel comfortable praying in this room. But you can pray with us in Jesus' name, and we can see God do the miraculous. You are in our prayers. We are believing God for some good things. And we will see you all this Saturday in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful night in Jesus' name.